listeners, and welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. Uh, my name is um, Barney Spurs, and I'm talking here with a DT um, DT Filter, another Spurs fan. We're podcasters. <laughs> we've got aliases. Hey, wait. Why do you get Spurs in your name and I get Filter? Not sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, nicknames just happen, I guess. Uh, you don't get to pick them. For a second, um, I thought I was going to get like an Arsenal reference in there or something. <laughs> um, what do you say? You don't get to pick Nicknames just happen. You have to be happen. Barney Spurs and I'm DT Filter. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I listened to the Tottenham Depot again and they've got this great, you know, intro where they've got this like really cool um, urban music and then they've all got nicknames. It's all, you know, like they've got these cool, you know, like, yeah, what, you know, and we just come on and go, oh, I'm Barney and I'm Jack. We, we're going to have to, we need more cutting edge. We, we need a, um, we need something that's uh, unbelievable, you know, something that people like, like we should be called like Razor and, um, uh, I'll be Razor and you can be um, <laughs> the flange. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I prefer DT filter than the flange. <laughs> also, I love that you like your first thing of like, we need to be more cutting edge is Barney Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rod, Barney Spurs here. Oh, wow. That's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should make it Barney Spur, like uh, the guy that's on, what's that last word on Spur? Rick Spur. Oh, yeah. They... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe Barney I should be Spur. Rick Spur. Barn Spur. Bar Spur. I might be Rick Spur. You could be Rick Spur? Yeah, maybe I'll be Rick Spur. <laughs> you just want to take someone else's name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can be Barty. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Hoybier. Screw Hoybier. <laughs> Let's um, get Jorginho in. <laughs> more Italians, more Italians. That's my very respectful buddy. Yeah, yeah. Lo- he is a lovely man. I, I um, am also, I, I mean, my my mum's Italian, so I do have the Italian That's true. blood in there. I I think, to be completely honest, though, like hearing him talk about Italy sometimes on um, Extra Inch, it does make me want to follow Italy a little bit more in, uh, in like, you know, the next sort of like big national competition. And mm. I think I was like, you know what? This World Cup, I'm going to do it. And <laughs> then they didn't qualify. So yeah. there we go. We'll put that on hold. Uh, yeah, I haven't decided. In terms of the World Cup, I'm, I'm hoping that when we do our, like, Discord team draw, that will just decide the team for me that I can go for. Because obviously Australia are in it, but watching Australia play football is one of the most painful experiences. Mm. Um, used to be fantastic. Now, I think maybe it's not the team that is the issue. It's a lot of the time the commentary, there's like a lot of um, uh, like weird sort of entitlement from the commentators when it's not deserved. Um, and that's, that is probably why. So it's got nothing to do with the football. Oh, yeah. I feel like, Barney, we're about to get, like, the, the Australian nationalists coming after us. For, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, the same. Yeah. Like, I don't really follow, um, I don't really watch Australia in those competitions. It could be tainted from maybe like, do you remember back in the day when, you know, channel seven or channel nine, they'd buy the rights to like a soccer game on a Thursday night and they mm. play ads in the middle and it's mm. like, they just put, would like put footy commentators on it. Um, yeah. and so, and yep. so you just get all things like right now back here to the soccer and he's kicked <laughs> it into the outside edge. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what is this? This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, and more from this after the ad break. Yeah, yeah, more ads, more ads. One of I'm one of my clearest and 
uh, best football memories was going to watch Perth Glory win the uh, NSL grand final. And one of the, um, they were playing against uh, Wollongong and um, there were, it was televised on Channel 7. It was the only, I think it was probably the only game that year that had been televised. And there were seven barriers sort of around the ground and one of the Wolves was it was it was it wolves? Was that what they were called, Wollongong Wolves? Yeah, yeah, I think one of so. the, yep. yeah. One of the Wolves players on the way through, like, jumped on the seven barricade and broke it, and the whole crowd started cheering. Um, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, screw Channel Seven, screw Channel Seven. <laughs> that that might have been around the time that um, Channel Seven bought the rights to the NSL just to shelve it because they were in cahoots with the AFL. Mm. And that's mm. not that's not me just pulling up a conspiracy theory there, but that it was, is a legit thing. It's a legit thing that the the AFL were just like, hey, can you just kind of get rid of this NSL thing? <laughs> yeah. And then he gets to the final, and one of the Perth Glory players is like, all right, I'm going to show them who's boss. I'm going to kick this ad board. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember like the in the NSL days, I went to a few games, and I was a kid, but I remember it being wild. Like I remember it being so fun and loud. Um. And then it just, yeah, well, it died because of Channel 7. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real shock. I mean, obviously, there was also lots of uh, <laughs> nationalistic-related violence. Um, but, you know, Perth Glory uh, has really no um, country or cultural affiliations. I mean, or maybe it does. Um, but because it's just a one-team town... It's all English expats. I mean, they fight each other, I guess, but like it was, um, there wasn't like this like scary element to it. I mean, also, I'm not sure how much there was a scary element and whether that was also part of the like, it's so dangerous to go to the, f the football in Australia, you know, with hooligans and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. No, but I mean, you are right in the sense like there were some specific clubs that where it did kind of kick off a little bit more. Um, mm. But I guess as someone who, like, if we would go to games and we wouldn't have necessarily a tie culturally to that club, like, it can be just a really <laughs> enjoyable neutral experience. Um, uh, e even in the sense of, like, it was great in some ways to just experience, like, different cultures in a sense, because, like, you wouldn't really get to see that much, I think, day to day. Um, mm. Just when you're a younger kid, because you just sort of, like, go to school, you go home and sort of that's mm. it. But then going there and then, you know, going to like North Melbourne, which is like a, sorry, South Melbourne, um, it's, you know, um, a very sort of a Greek, um, heritage there. And you just have like, you know, uh, sweet food, like different music, like all, all this sort of stuff. And you're like, wow, this is a really cool sort of thing to experience. So definitely there are the positives that you, you do get from that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, this is a Tottenham Hotspur podcast. Um, <laughs> and if you're tuning in for the first time, no, you're not mistaken. Um, that's just, that's just a bit of classic info for you from, uh, from Razor and the Flange. So don't, uh, don't worry about that. Maybe, maybe that's our character. But so Razor and the Flange have started up just a very niche old NSL <laughs> podcast, mm. <laughs> nostalgia <laughs> NSL podcast, um, from Razor and the Flange. <laughs> Um, so we played Nottingham Forest. We both watched it. Dan, what were your takeaways from the game? Uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I watched the game on a very, very tiny screen, mm. um, because my, my little one-year-old was quite, quite sick and I was laying in bed next to her and some people might say, just don't watch the game, watch it later. But mm. 
I had to put my headphones in and and, <laughs> and watch it. So I watched it on my phone. Um, and I actually thought we played, you know, I, I wouldn't say rel- like really, really well, but I think like relatively well considering how we played, you know, in the last few weeks. Um, yeah. Like to me, I thought that there was an improvement there. And just overall, like the game was ridiculously high paced. Um, like Forrest just went at it so much but then again i don't know if it was maybe my tiny tiny screen which made it just seem so much faster than it was dan this was the slowest game that's ever happened in the premier league i can't (laughs) believe you just said that no you're right it was it was it was really fast paced and i agree with you i think there was an improvement uh especially it, it was a game that was like filled with sort of weird kind of like when we scored early i was like we're gonna kill them um, and we had a couple of chances after that that sort of made it look, you know, that were close. I was like, we're going to beat them 5-0. Um, and obviously we didn't. But we also sort of uh, let them have control. It's sort of, for me, one of the big takeaways from this is that people have been talking about how, and I said it on the pod last week, so I need to redact that, this idea <laughs> of like Conte's <laughs> Jose ball uh where, you know, he's being um, celebrated for sort of, you know, sitting in a mid-block or a low-block or, or mid-block. Um, and I think that that comes from the fact that there is this kind of weird, like, cognitive dissonance with this game where you see us attack, we score, and then we just kind of happily let Forrest have the ball and run around. And if you look at, at you know, post-game, I think the XG, like, ours was... a 2.5-ish, and theirs was 0.4 or something like that, which, you know, if you reflect on that game, it felt like they had quite a few opportunities, but none of them were particularly glaring. Um, So in that sense, although it, I guess, you know, there are games where it's like we didn't have the ball, but we controlled it. And this game, from just an eye-level read, kind of didn't feel like that. But then if you look at the stats, it's like, well, I guess, I guess that was what was happening. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I, like I didn't actually feel too worried with any of their chances. Although maybe one or two, which you you might go, oh, that was a that was a pretty decent chance. They should have done a bit better. But a lot of them, it was like cutting it back, and they were you know blasting it over the crossbar. Um, whereas I thought we honestly could have, like you said, we could have scored four or five goals um, if we'd maybe been just a little bit sharper. Uh, plus, of course, the ridiculous handball, um, oh. which would have put us up 2-0 a lot earlier in the game. And I don't want to play into that hypothetical, like, oh, we would have done that, and then we would have gone on to 1-5. But I think we do that, and it does give you a little bit more breathing room and starts killing off the game a little bit more. Um, but yeah, what did you think about that decision? Like, to me, that was po- possibly the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I just don't understand how... Uh, like Harry Kane is uh, going for a header. He scores a header later in the game. It's a clear goal scoring opportunity that <laughs> I don't know who the forest player is, but you know, he like volleyball spikes the ball over the, like it's so obviously intentional and blocking uh, what could have most likely was a goal to get a yellow card to me. It's so confusing because it's, like, well, what is the yellow card for? Because it should be a red card or no card. 
Uh, and obviously it's a red card, but what is the yellow card for? Because he didn't do anything that was uh, indicative of receiving a yellow card. It was so confusing. Oh, yeah, totally. And um, I think it was Steve Cook who did that. Who And he, he was playing for Bournemouth a couple of seasons back, and he had another crazy handball, which was a very similar thing. Big outstretched hand, palming it away. Um, but I agree. It's like, what's the point of, like... Just throw the full punishment there because I don't like it, you saw VAR looking at it from a few different angles, and it's like they were trying to work out is this landing right on Harry's head, and is Harry going to head that in? What's really going to happen here? Like, and it, you just got to go if you're playing that game, you should just go, Look, this is enough of a chance that we don't know, we can't say, Oh, this was going over Kane's head, and like categorically, you know, so you just, just give it red card. Um, or maybe this is where we need to bring back what we were speaking about a few weeks ago and have a, have a sin bin, have a little naughty corner where someone has to go, like maybe Steve Cook has to go and just sit facing the corner flag for five minutes. <laughs> that is the best idea for us. Like it's not, you know, sitting on the bench in a sin bin or having to go and sit in the change room for a sin bin. Like he has to sit facing the corner flag, <laughs> like yeah. forehead up against the corner flag <laughs> for 10 minutes. And he's not allowed to look around. Not, no. not allowed to react. He just becomes part of the furniture, as I said. So if the ball comes <laughs> off him, it's our throw in. But like, mm-hmm. that's it. He can't move. He can't react. Um, yep. I'd be all up for that. And then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe that would have been a punishment that I would have been happy with. <laughs> I, I was meant to look up, and then I ran out of time, the rules like that are stated by the FA in terms of this situation because to me it just doesn't like I'm so confused as to how it can be a yellow card and how it's not a straight red <laughs> it's it to me it sort of and I, I I don't believe this to be true but my perception at the time was like this is entertainment game management where it's like if he gets sent off then the game's dead this is the last game of the round like we're not going to, so we're not going to give a red card, but it, <laughs> it could I, be, I mean, it could be, yeah. like, I, I, I can see the happening that in VR, whatever it is, whatever park, like they give it a fancy name, wherever it is, mm. Mm, Studley Park. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. they like, they're sitting there and they're like, oh, look, we should send him off, but that could kill the guy. Should we just let it go? Should we let it go? Like, I would love to see what the conversations actually are in there. Like, if it is just one of the, you know, one referee sitting there by themselves, just absolutely sweating bricks, just like <laughs> in dead silence trying to make a call, or if there are a couple of, um, you know, a couple of other refs around, like someone's in the background with a coffee cup, like they're actually, you know, they have a bit more of a casual conversation about it. Mm. Well, also, you know, like there is the option to be like, oh, I think we should, you should have a look at this. Um, it appears like it probably is a... <laughs> card like that didn't happen either like yeah. so the the match day ref didn't even get to look at the footage and be like oh that's a red card yeah it was just sort of like made the decision was made by some ethereal presence um <laughs> which i was just gonna say that that to me is also so ridiculous that you have this process where it's like no well certain decisions we've got to leave that to the referee on the pitch um and then you have incidents where the var box is like oh you might want to have another look at it like they're not going like do you want to have another look at it? Oh, actually, no, don't worry. I'm just going to stick with my decision. Like they're going like, 
you want to have another look at it so you don't seem like an idiot for missing this clear, mm. you know, infringement? Um, I'm trying to help you out here. So in that instance, like, just allow VAR to overrule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, the way it's done or seemingly done in the Champions League is something happens, the video ref sees it, and it's almost like they just make a an instant call where they go, okay, maybe the ref wants to look at that again because I'm not sure. And then the ref makes the decision by going over and watching it as opposed to this weird delay, which is still happening even though it was supposed to. You know, it's it's lesser, I admit that, but um, where they're thinking about it and then they give it to the ref who then goes over and has a look at it. And, like, by the time it actually gets to the review by the match day ref, you're like, okay, it's going to be a foul or a card or a penalty. Like, it's very clear. But if you just had a guy, you could just get, like, some random dude to watch, be watching, and then he sees something and he's like, seems a bit off. All right, have a look, ref. Like, you don't even need a referee. You just need someone to just with... Um, like basic perceptive abilities and an understanding of the rules. Oh, <laughs> totally. I, I agree. And like that time, it's the time that it takes, which is just so frustrating and kills the energy from games. And it just becomes so crazy. Like even if, if they can't tell within, you know, 10 seconds what's going on, they bring a new rule where like, I don't know, the infringing player has to roll a dice. And then <laughs> if they get, it's like, depending on how bad it is, it's like, you know, well, Steve, you know, you got to roll a six to stay on the field here, mate. They just give, <laughs> the ref just gives him a little golden dice. He rolls it out. There yeah. we go. It's done within 15 seconds. <laughs> and we bring that little randomness back in when we don't 100% know. Um, and I think that's like, that's where this all comes back to. Like, you've got this this VAR, which is trying to solve everything and get a real finite answer of like, we are 100% sure on this. And it's like, chances like, sorry, um, incidents like this, like they're never going to be 100% sure. So it's like, let's just cut the rubbish and like randomize it and like <laughs> have a bit of a game with it. Do you remember a couple of episodes ago then we were talking about the idea of having like some kind of Bond villain who has an island where he creates a football league where he adds new rules. Um, I have a feeling that that super villain actually might be you. I think you would be <laughs> that guy. You've always, you've got, I remember towels. We've got the um, corner flag sin bin. We've got the golden dice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the guy on the FIFA committee who's only there because his uncle was like the president yeah. or something. And it's just like, well, you need to listen to Dan's ideas. Yeah. <laughs> what about, <Gold>. what about <laughs> if you, you got to throw a chip at each other's head and whatever hits first gets the goal. Yeah. What about that? What if what if when you throw the chip a seagull comes down, pecks it, and that means you get that means you get special booster shoes? <laughs> Dan, uh, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I admit that. I admit that, you know, fair. Um the entertain like the just the entertainment quality of this. I think we discussed it previously. Well. Like the entertainment quality of this would be fun to see, maybe for a game, and then it mm. would just be the most frustrating league to watch ever <laughs> because mm. you would just have this. Like fans would have to have like effectively a Bible's worth of like a book with just all these ridiculous rules um, and following these flowcharts if these things happened. But oh. maybe Barney, this could be. I, I don't want to rope you into this if you don't want to join me for the ride, but. This could be our opus. This could be This could be it. Our gift to football. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I would hope that, you know, with the huge rule book, the flow charts, um, I'm sure there would be 
not only video referees, but sound referees. There might be smell referees. There could be a whole bunch of different um, referees on the game. Sorry, did you say every... smell referees? <laughs> smell, yeah. <laughs> they've got a, they've got the sense of smell equivalent to that of a dog. It's unbelievable. Well, they what's, can tell. What's their what's their job? Oh, I think Dyer farted. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dyer yeah. farted. Then their job is to they can they're so accurate that they can smell when grass is. Um, stepped on slash disrupted out of the the turf um so they can do v uh they can do offside um but i hope that that all exists and that every season the league's like so we're going to try and simplify things a bit we admit it but then it gets more complicated (laughs) it's like they'll try and automate these processes so it's like all right so we've now built smell droids and they're gonna they're gonna hover above the field and Tom's there yeah. like, why don't we just get rid of the smell refs completely? Like, we don't, yeah, need, we don't need them. We, we don't, don't need them. them. They don't offer anything. No, no, no. We, we've got to make it a cleaner process. They're smell <laughs> droids and they're solar powered so they don't have to be recharged. Because I know you were worrying what would happen if they run out of batteries. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. Don't. <laughs> also, buddy, what I love about this is like, you've thrown me under the bus here of like, Dan, you're supervillain, supervillain, stupid ideas here. Mm. And then you've just gone in, smell refs. All right. <laughs> I love a smell ref. <laughs> You're part of this. You are part of this world we have created. If we had a smell ref, that means that the smell ref would be able to tell that all the Liverpool players have been um, doping asthma medication. And <laughs> I read this article and I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. And I think I've brought it up like the last four podcasts. <laughs> oh, it's like, <laughs> it's great. It's like, cause we've got nothing else to um, like really explain why Liverpool have been you know, mm. we're so good for a bunch of, of years there. And whenever we get a reason, even if it is possibly a made up one, <laughs> it's great. Uh, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Well, we couldn't have caught them anyway because they're all on asthma meds, aren't they? Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ventolin, man. Ventolin. Whoa. Ventolin. Have you ever taken Ventolin? Yeah. <laughs> we're the real winners of that league. If they went back to the Champions League and re, there should be a little asterisk there because it was all Ventolin. All Ventolin. Unbelievable. Um, so obviously one of the main events was was the the slapping of the ball. Um the the other main event, especially for Tottenham, was um Richarlison <laughs> coming on and oh, just yeah. spitting in the face of football in the most glorious way you can possibly imagine. I, I am I said this during the game, I'm obsessed with him. Oh. Like just phenomenal. Like knowing very well how you know, emotions are transient. They change week to week, moment to moment, minute to minute, whatever. Um, so I might change tomorrow. But Richarlison is, uh, he's in my top cut, like at least two or three Spurs players right now. Um, given that Sonny's also in a bit of a, a flat spell, Richarlison could be number one at the moment. Because <laughs> yep. um, it, it was so great. Like, um, oh, and I loved so much um, Steve Cooper's reaction afterwards. Oh, like, you've got to be kidding me, mate. Like, yeah. he starts piping up and he's like, oh, well, no, if that, that wouldn't be allowed here at Nottingham Forest. I don't know what they do at Tottenham, but that's not what we allow here. We not, we don't appreciate that sort of behaviour. And it's like, you had a guy who, like, just, you know, <laughs> thought he was a keeper for a second, palmed it off the goal line, and you're down the moral high ground and coming in all saintly, like, oh, no, oh, what a, oh, what a, dis- what a blemish on football's name today. It's like, get over it. <laughs> 
It, I love as well that it's like when you've got um, a naughty friend uh, when you're a kid and your parents are like, well, I don't know what goes on at their house, um, <laughs> yeah. but not, we don't do that here. Sort of like framing that they live in this dysfunctional household, which is exactly <laughs> what he did. Like Conte it has no control <laughs> over the players and he's, and Conte himself was like, oh, no, he's juggling the ball. I can't do anything to stop this. It's so funny. And also I'm so pleased that he has made an infraction against Tottenham so then I can finally say that the man looks like an orc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, so that point about Conte, um, it reminded me, like I used to be, I used to coach when I finished school, like 18, 19, um, mm. I coached some teams, I coached some guys, some girls teams, some, some boys teams and the girls teams were great because like, they would be like very disciplined. They'd like do the drills. They do everything like that. The boys, as soon as you got the balls out, they would just grab them and they're off. And like, they're like 14, 15 and they're just running around everywhere, like shooting, like running, they're, they're three pitches away, all that sort of stuff. So I do love this idea that, like you said, Conte can't control them, that as soon as the balls come out at training, it's like, everyone's just grabbing them, going off, doing keepy uppies, like in the <laughs> yeah. woods next to the training ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like got them moving, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, chasing, what was it? What's his tactic? Chasing shadows or something, something mm -hmm. where he's like, uh, working on formation, no ball, like, and then he, cause he knows that as soon as he gets that ball out, he's lost them all. Like they're all, like there's <laughs> people like sitting down, spread like, like Dyer and, um, <laughs> Doherty just rolling the ball to each other. And he's like, no, 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 you need to stand up. And they're like, no, no, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> we're playing. Someone's pretending to be a horse. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just chaos. It was so fun. It was also like. You've just lost a game and the worst thing that you could possibly do is probably make a comment like that um, <laughs> about Richarlison. What you should do is just be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I see what he was doing. Yeah, good luck, um, whatever. But instead it's like that's obviously really hurt you that that happened. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what? That has scarred you very, very deeply and just mm. so defensive about it, like, um, even you know, if he was asked the question, you could just be like, oh, I don't know what that was about. But anyway, let's talk about mm. the actual game, like, blah, blah, blah. But to just be like, suddenly like, you know, suggesting as if like our players are wild and untamed and, mm. oh, that's like, the, it's just, it is ridiculous. I, I do wonder though, if Steve Cooper is sitting in his office and he's like spinning around on his giant leather armchair, patting a little cat. <laughs> And like, this was his attempt to be like Fergie or Mourinho and just like putting something out in the press to detract from the loss. <laughs> and yeah. so now everyone's talking about this. Um, somehow I don't think that's the case. I think that he was just trying to very much play like, like, oh, we love the we're blue collar around here. We don't, oh, none of that fancy business. We're just hardworking, you know, footballers for the common man. Um, <laughs> We've spent the most out of any team this year to <laughs> sign 400 players. Yeah. We're just regular <laughs> fellas. We don't really. And also just to be clear, like this office that he's sitting in, that is in Mordor. And every so often he goes, I smell obitses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to make sure that picture's clear. I don't, I don't want to represent, misrepresent him. No, he's definitely an, an orc. In this. Yeah. <laughs> In this scenario, and it's just like this. Just shut up, Steve. Just let it oh. let it go. Also, don't just play like you you you're paying Lingard two hundred grand a week. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Don't don't act all small like, oh, we're, we're just a small little club and we, we get bullied by people just taking yeah. the mick out of us and juggling it at the end of a game. It's like, come <laughs> on, mate. Come on. The, 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 the tenacity to take the piss like that was incredible. <laughs> Like the fact that he just received the ball and then was like, I'm just going to juggle it for a bit. <laughs> and and like uh, whether that was just to try and aggravate them so that then someone would fly in, which they did. Um, and was, like I think Richarlison of the, what was it, like eight minutes of injury time, Richarlison probably took up like <laughs> seven of those minutes by just doing bullshit, which is so great. But the, the thing I want to ask is that in the last – three games now Richarlison's come on and made a difference to the team like he his presence alone pretty much uh has drawn focus in all of those games um and I know pe- a lot of people think that Son should start against West Ham are you in that camp or are you uh especially considering how angry Son was when he came off or do you think Richarlison should start um I think I would like to see Richarlison start, but I I don't play into this idea of like Son should be dropped. Like yeah. I really like the idea that we've got four four forward players rotating through three positions. And yep. now we're getting into like two games a week. We've got Premier League midweek, then on the weekend, then Champions League the week after, then it just goes two games a week. So I would prefer to see us get ahead of rotations and start giving players some little rests here and there now. And I don't, I don't see it as an issue where it's like, well, what's that? You're going to you're gonna drop Sonny? We back Sonny. He's one of our own, mate. Golden boot, mate. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I love Son. But it, like, you can still support him and go, hey, just chill out for this game, start on the bench. Um, and I, I don't know. To me, it feels like a very, I don't know, like a bit, a bit of an old-fashioned sort of thinking of just like, you know, as if it's like, no, we have to push him through it. We have to do this. We, it's like, we can't rotate. Like, why can't we rotate? Like the, the whole point of mm. this is to rotate. Like what does city do? Like, and I never want to hear those words out of my mouth again of trying to emulate them, <laughs> but like they rotate players and like Mares will s- sit on the bench for a game and it's not because he's dropped. It's just because they're rotating through. So, um, I, I'm all up for seeing what Richarlison can do when he starts a game. Uh, but then there is the little sad part of, you know, we get so excited when we see him come on in the second half because we know that the absolute Jedi master of shithousery is about to do something. And it's mm. so, like, that moment of anticipation is so fulfilling. Oh, I mean, the thing is that the, I mean, that's what, sort of where I sit with playing West Ham, which is the most annoying game on the calendar, that he coming on and... Uh, using the force level of shithousery would be <laughs> phenomenal to watch. But then I also think, like, what if he just starts early? He starts minute one. He's already doing all the Richarlison things and aggravating their – I suppose it's at home, but aggravating their players and then we bring someone else on. I don't know because, like, you can't – Decky, despite not – uh, scoring or assisting is still playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane has scored in the last few. Sonny has had a bit of a rough trot of it. And this game he got close, which, you know, it's like, well, does 
is it just more game time that's going to sort of play him into form? Or is it that I, I think the difficulty is that because he hasn't been great, that if he doesn't play, regardless of how much Conte's like, this isn't about you being dropped, this is rotation, uh, Sonny is going to feel like he's being dropped. So it's almost like you would need to be like Kane starts, uh, sorry, Richarlison starts ahead of Kane and then Kane comes on for rotation because that is rotation rather than any kind of uh, idea of that it could be a dropping in terms of the player's confidence. I don't, I mean, I'm just talking out of my arse here. I don't know, but yeah. Oh yeah. I think to me, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think to me, it maybe comes down to how, what happens. Like if let's just say that Richarlison comes in for Son, but then the next three games, it's Richarlison, Kane and, and Decky. <laughs> then you suddenly go, oh, okay. Son's like, oh, God, I've been dropped. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But if we start going with that and it's just made clear to the players before it happens of like, hey, we're going to start rotating through because we've got a lot of games coming up. So like, Sonny, we're going to, you know, I want you to come off the last 20 minutes and probably roughly in this game, 20 minutes, half an hour, um, find some space running behind. Like the game will be a bit more open, you know. Um, and then that we just kind of back it up by keeping that rotation going. Then I think mm. even if Sonny's disappointed for like one game, then he starts going like, oh, okay. No, it is actually rotating. And mm. we're starting to do that because, uh, we're going to have to do it. <laughs> we're going to have to, otherwise we get in the same situation. We always get into where we just have, you know, three players who are, um, hold their position. They play every game. They play, you know, not quite every minute now because we've, we've got a, a deeper squad to sub through, but, um, yeah, I, I really would love to just see us get that started. And if Son has to be the first one, then fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think too, it's like Sonny in, in, in how he hasn't been playing well, it's not just, he just hasn't been finishing chances, uh, which is a part of it, but it's like, like you said, like Decky is doing more throughout the rest of the game. Um, and it's like Decky, we can't, I, I don't think we can like rotate, rotate him out against say West Ham in a derby. Like we need that fire and like Richarlison, that's probably not a bad game for him to come in on as well and play mm. in a bit of a heat environment. And like, we, we seem to get in mini scuffles with like West Ham and it's like, I would just love to see us just be like the more physical team there. And I think that would be just a good start tactically in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is a good uh, game for Richarlison to start. And I guess with – it's interesting that, you know, Richarlison can sub in for Son or, like, he can play up top as well. But my hesitation now, which I wouldn't have expected, is that I'm like, well, can he do Decky's role? Because, I mean, I'm sure he, you know, can in the sense that he, you know, applies himself like um, Kulisevsky does. Um but Kulisevsky just is so uh, – there's like this uniqueness as to his skill set and how it fits. So I'm like, can Richarlison replicate that? Because um, I know he can score and I know that he can run and I know that he can um, break people's brains with what he does on a football field through uh, making them so angry <laughs> that they get a, a blood nose. But, like, yeah, it'll be interesting. And then I think well, who is actually on our squad that can – if Decky was to get injured – I guess we just have to adjust and bring Richarlison on and then, you know, who knows? I mean, he's uh, having said that, his uh, playmaking abilities are not 
they're not bad. Like he's actually quite, you know, adequate at that. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I think as well, like once we get a little bit further along with Spence, um, cause we saw a little sample of Spence, um, and oh my gosh, that run, I know it was like everyone else was tired, but he took off. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's the first time that like we, I've actually really seen him, um, in any sort of game and just like, that was like, that's a scary sight. If you're an opposition team and you see something like that happening, um, <laughs> uh, especially later in the game, but as I think Spence gets more involved, that possibly also starts changing how we set up on the right where we've kind of had, you know, Emerson not really going past players and looking to cut it back inside to Decky, who then, you know, loves to sort of turn inwards and then, like we said last week, the triple threat, the Hugh Jackman role. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas if we have Richarlison there, who's probably not as likely to do that, I'd say he's more likely to try and get around. Um, I wonder how that interacts. And if we go, oh, cool. Well, then having Spence just like overloading is a better option there. But then as I say this right now, like if you've got Decky who's cutting in and then you've got Spence on the overlap, like that's, also a pretty dangerous scenario too. So I don't really, I don't really know, but I would like to think that, you know, we would make some sort of adjustment to accommodate for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of good in a way that we don't exactly know how that will, how they can really set up because then I feel like other teams are in a similar position where they can't just completely figure us out once we do start actually rotating around. Mm. Yeah, totally. Then it's not as predictable as it has been in the past. Um, I was very surprised to see Spence uh, come on. I thought, given Conte's comments about, like, oh, it's club signing and, you know, like, not I'm unhappy, but, like, I permit this to happen, but I'm not, I wasn't chasing this dude. And I figured, considering he came on against his ex-club, there was, like, some really clever element of... Um, uh, player management there in terms of like bring him on they'll clap him um and he can just sort of do whatever the game's over um which is genius like so clever to do that yeah i would be surprised surprised if um uh spence continues to feature i mean i hope he does from what we saw that was um awesome Hello there, a bit Spursy listener. It's me, Barney. And me, Dan. And we are here to tell you some fantastic news. We have started a free Discord to which you can go on and chat all things Tottenham Hotspur and other related concepts. <laughs> yeah, to join that, uh, head to discord.gg slash a bit Spursy. That's correct. We also now have a Patreon to which you can pay for Spurs-related content. <laughs> and it sounds like a scam. It's not a scam here. It's, it's not a scam. We're not scamming. We're not scamming. It's, uh, look, we, we love, uh, you know, creating this podcast and there's a whole bunch of other things that we want to do with some streams, uh, some watch-alongs and, and these sort of bits and pieces. If you would like to help us out and support us there, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be able to create more Spurs, Spurs content and uh, sort of have fun doing that. So if you'd like to do that, uh, please head to Patreon com slash a bit spursy. Uh, the more of you that are on the Patreon, the less time I have to spend in the coal mine, which is my job. <laughs> so let's get Barney out of the coal mine. And uh, yeah, all links can be found uh, on our website at a bit
I also was so confused. Richarlison has the ball. Spence is making a run. Richarlison just plays it the other way. Oh. Like, it, it was that was bizarre. That was like a FIFA move where it's like you pass it and you're like, no, not bloody. Well, why would you go there? Um, yeah. Like, it was so... <laughs> but then the game's like, you were turning in the wrong direction. Like, you passed it over there. It was your fault. Um, it just seemed so ridiculous there. Like, and it was... <laughs> It, like you know you say oh it wasn't a hard ball i could have done that uh not saying that but that i think that rel- should have been a relatively easy through ball for Richardson to play spence through um and yeah he would have been in on goal and um yeah could have opened his account there i see i'm still much more optimistic about spence getting some game time like i i don't think that this was like i agree with what you're saying i think this was just you know um a nice smart sort of game management type move. But I also think moving forward, we are going to start seeing more of Spence. Um, and like, cause there are some other people, you know, online who are chatting and saying, oh, I don't think we're going to see Spence at all. Conte doesn't want him all this, that and everything else. And I think like what you're saying, like Conte, Conte goes, you know, it's a club signing. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a play he doesn't want because I think Conte is not getting players now that he does not want. Like we're clearing out players that he doesn't want. I just can't imagine that the club would like if he was like, "I do not want this player. I will not play him. Do not sign him." And the club was like, "Too bad." And then they sign him. Too bad like, he signed Antonio. Yeah, sorry. Um, we did it. We just spent this money for no reason. <laughs> like they're not doing. Like obviously, <laughs> him saying a club signing doesn't necessarily mean that he was like, "I hate Jed Spence." Like, it's just, it's like, this isn't a target that I selected. The club has selected this target. I have obviously been like, yeah, cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just don't. That's, imagine Conte saying, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. And I just love this thought that when, if Conte says something like that, you get people like, oh, well, here we bloody go again. Daniel Levy's just, it's, oh. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> So remember that ad we used to have in Australia, which was, um, it was a Jeep ad. And it's like, I think it was, it was a couple, the husband comes home and he's, and he's like, oh honey, I bought a Jeep. And the, the wife's like, what, what do you mean? I bought a Jeep. And it's like, yay. <laughs> All this great thing. It's just mm. like if Antonio Paratici and, uh, Daniel Levy live together in this, I guess, polyamorous tryst <laughs> or something. <laughs> and Daniel comes home and he's like, hey guys, I bought a Spence. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? I bought Jed Spence. <laughs> oh, we don't want him. Oh, bro, what's going on? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's, it does not operate like that. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't happen like that. There's no way that like Conte is going to allow that to happen. Even if Daniel did try and like just buy a player anyway, unless they looked at a player and they go, Hey, here's a player who we think we can get for cheap and he's a good investment and we'll loan them out for a bit. But like, Antonio would be in on that. We wouldn't have a scenario where it's like, oh, you have to then, um, you know, you have to play him Antonio or you have to do this, you have to do that. Like we would just loan him out. Like Brian Hill in a way has kind of become that where it's mm. like, he looks like, okay, maybe the club ends up making a bit of money on him if he goes and has a good season and goes back to Spain. Um, but yeah, it's like Conte would have, would have given the okay to sign Spence. Like, so even if he says he it wasn't his idea initially, um, he would have approved it and he would have gone, yeah, this is a player I can use. Yeah, exactly. 
he, I mean, also it would be very clear uh, if, you know, generally he's trying, trying to, uh, I bought a Spence. Um, and then <laughs> Conte's like, I do not want Spence. Um, <laughs> uh, that that he would go on loan, but he's not going on loan. He featured and he's been on the bench. Like, yeah, it just makes no, oh. it makes no sense that, like, it's so bizarre that that narrative even exists in the first place. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Oh, definitely. And, like, Spence is a very loanable player. Mm. Like, he's young. He came off a very good season championship. Um, you know, very highly rated. So we would have definitely been able to loan him to a lower Premier League team if that's what we really wanted to do. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it just makes <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense, especially when you look at the balance of power here. Sure, Daniel Levy is, you know, the, the boss in charge of, you know, the company effectively, hmm. but you've got them Paratici and Conte who are buds from way back who chat every day, which is what Paratici says in that, in that interview we did in January. Um, and so it's like, yeah, we, we talk every single day and like hours and hours on end. Like maybe that's why Paratici's always got his little headphones in his phone. He's just trying to get through to Conte constantly. <laughs> Um, trying to call him. Trying to call him. And like it, it, the game's on, he's three metres away, and he's just like, ah, all right, I'll leave him a voicemail. Yeah. Antonio, Fabio here. Um, <laughs> I am in the, I'm on the bench uh, <laughs> just saying, hey, uh, great job uh, so far. Um, <laughs> yeah, Daniel says he bought a Spence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. We're, we're operating much more cohesively than we, we have in a very long time. and. Mm. I think we'll yeah. see some. We'll see Jed. We'll see some. Some. Some more solid we'll Jed. Jed. I think the the other two, and these are the last two points I have from this game. Um, one of which is um, Sessegnon, uh and Kane's meltdown. <laughs> like I've never <laughs> seen. I mean, I've seen Kane react when he hasn't been past the ball um, before, but this was just like something. There was something else about this, like the head in the hands. Um, and the, just the poor, like the pausing and standing there was so funny. It was like such a, like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm not like, and I just, so as soon as the ball was played to Sess, I was like, he's not going to pull this off. And, um, he didn't. And then luckily, uh, new, uh, Lord of Tottenham, Richarlison's there to play one of the best assists I've ever seen. But, yeah, I, I just – you can see when Cess came – like I felt, which is probably maybe a bit over the top, but worried when Perisic went off and he came on because Perisic was so solid when he was there. Oh, oh definitely. I think you're right. That was – um, yeah, Cess, Cess – he's an interesting one, Cess. Like I think it was possibly um, Windy who – Windy on Extra Entry often goes on about Sess, um, in the sense of like him needing a run of games to build up that confidence. Then as soon as he goes out of the team, confidence drops completely. And then he needs that to start building that all up again. Um, but yeah, when he came on, he, he didn't look amazing. Um, he didn't look great. And like, yeah, Kane was not happy <laughs> with that, with that like missed pass. Um, yeah. that missed opportunity there. It's, it's, you're right. It's like Kane, the reaction, it's like, he just suddenly just got a, like a, a, a case of gastro that just hit him instantly because he just stops, bends over. (laughs) Um, But then Richarlison picking it up. 
And then, oh my, the absolute source on his cross. Oh was, my God. It was so, like, that is a very, very tough, like, that's a tough move to make. That's something that, like, you know, Lamella would sort of try and do. Um, mm. where, but Lamella would go for, like, a full Rabona or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not an easy pass. And Charlton just made it look so, so simple. Just put mm. it right on Kane's head. Um, and yeah, that, like, flip from, like, Kane being so annoyed with Cessignon to then just, like, so happy that he scored again. Mm. Uh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. It was very, very cool. Um, well, that was my wait, what was my was that my one point or was it I had another point and now it's gone. I've forgotten it. Oh dear. It's gone. Was it uh, any other the, any, was it to the penalty? Kane's penalty? Because that, that, Oh, that it wasn't great. It wasn't a great penalty. But also it was it was fine. Henderson trains with England. He's gonna know what Kane's gonna do. Um I wasn't that surprised that uh, it was saved. Oh, um, I mean, totally. you always expect Kane to convert, but it was kind of like, well, if he's going to uh, have one saved, it's probably going to be against Anderson. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, it's and it's fine. Like, I know some people are thinking, like, oh, my gosh, Kane missed a penalty. He hasn't missed one in the Premier League in four years. Goodness. And it's like he still has an impeccable penalty record. <laughs> yeah. And if, if, like, if we know Kane, like, who – absolutely strives for those 1% gains or those 0.1% gains. So it gains like he'll be going, like he'll be rock up to the training ground and taking a hundred penalties the next day. Um, and you know, it, it, it's not going to affect him that much. Like he's, he's going to miss some occasionally. Uh, but you know, he's such a sort of machine when it comes to those sort of things that it, it's, it's fine. He'll score the next 10 that he takes. Um, mm. And yeah, he'll be so, so fine. Mm. I remember my other, uh, uh, that's, I'm glad that that came up, but the other thing was Benton Kerr, um, clearly getting concussed and in Australia it was the commentators, like it was hilarious how much they just didn't seem to register that, like there was so much carry on about like, well, Charleston's gone down much too easy there. There's no contact. That's something you don't want to see. Or like at one point, uh, General Ho pretended to get hit in the face and it was like he'd been um, hit with a sledgehammer on his forehead and they're like, you know, if we're going to stop for head injuries, you know, we can't stop for people pretending to get smacked in the head. And then Bendiker actually does get concussed. And you can see from the way he's lying that he has had some kind of head impact. And there's just no mention of it for like 10 minutes. And then obviously, and I said this on the Discord, the producers have been like, you need to bring up the fact that this is a head injury. And then it was like, well, he's clearly, yeah, he's actually got a concussion and... Uh, yeah, but it, it surprised me that how, how, uh, slow the league was. To, and you saw the doctors on the side mm. were very, very clear about him not going back on because it is serious, but it's sort of the general coverage of that moment. And I haven't, I just Googled it on my phone then. There's nothing, but like, it, it's, it's bizarre to me that there's so little coverage of, of what you know, concussion can be a lot. Like, he's not going to play against West Ham. There's no chance. Oh, yeah. It, to me, it's very much in that. I know Graeme Soonis wasn't commentating, but it's in that sort of mentality of just like, you know, something like that happens and then his response is like, oh, the soft bastard. Soft yeah. bastard. Oh, what's that? Oh, oh, it might be concussed. All right. Oh, okay. All right. 
Are we sure? Because I think it's it's been just a soft bust, and you're just like, <laughs> no, like we need to take these things very, very seriously, um, mm. given what we know now. But I feel like this, maybe it's like said <laughs> It's like it's just that is sort of you know his aura has just passed through the squad, and now we're just getting lumped in with like you know a team that's just all we care about is shithousery in, the, mm. in that sense, mm. and like. You know, it's like other teams are thinking uh, or other supporters are thinking like, you know what, I've got some inside knowledge. Johnny Vio doesn't actually do free kicks. He's a shithousery coach. He's, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't actually do free kicks at all. My mate told me so. And yeah. it's like we're just being lumped in as like, we do a bit of shithousery now. When you've had other teams doing it for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah. And we've always had players who are just like too timid to even contemplate Oh, what if they get a bit annoyed with me, though? <laughs> yeah. Like, and so finally we're doing a little bit, and then suddenly it's everyone just piles in, um, piles in on Tottenham. So I, this kind of leads into a question that we've had, Barney, um, from Andreas from Leiden AF White Hart Danes, the Danish Spurs podcast. Um, and it's about the shithousery. And uh, the question is, uh, you know, it would appear that um, in one modern game against Forest, we've managed to add another team to the long list of teams that hate us and will now do all in its power to get one over us. Uh, will this kind of come back to haunt us overall? It probably makes it 5% more difficult to win a long list of, fix long list of fixtures. Uh, if, you know, this keeps like, we keep playing into the shithousery a little bit and it just starts creating enemies for us. So what do you think there is there, Barney, in terms of like a long-term effect? I think uh, it could say uh, make it make make them to use Andres' term five percent more um, aggressive or five percent more up for the game against us. But you've also got to remember it could also make them five percent more vulnerable to us shit housing again. <laughs> so when we do it again, they're like, "Oh my god, they're doing it again! I can't handle this." <laughs> And so it actually could make it easier for us because they know that they're going to have to deal with that when they play us. Um, so I don't think in terms of long-term effect that it's going to have one because really I think on balance it's probably that they are going to be aware that we're going to pull stuff like that. Uh, they're going to be more up for the game. But then if things like that start to happen, and especially if they start to go our way, it's going to um, – result in them maybe losing their heads easier than they usually would. So yeah, no worries. What about, what do you think? Dan? No, I, I agree. I think you're right. Um, and I think that, yeah, if, if, if other teams are starting to do that, like the pre-match team talk, they're like, Guffer, they better not, nor funny buggers today, nor funny business. <laughs> yeah. or, right? Otherwise I'm not going to be happy. You just be like, no, well, hey, calm down. Don't worry about that. We've got a whole game plan to worry about here. Yeah. yeah. But if, if they do some keepy oppies, um, that's going to throw me right off. <laughs> yeah. You know, last time Benton Kerr stood on me toe, and that got me very angry. And if he stands on me toe again, I'm going to be, he won't stand on me toe. I've put a lead plate in me shoe. Yeah. Like that's a terrible idea. It's going to make you much slower. <laughs> oh. I saw him do that to you last time. He winked, he winked at me afterwards. He knew what he was up to. <laughs> And it's like, fine, if teams are going to just get sucked into that and just talking about that the whole time, then fine. I'm so fine for it. Like, we're not doing anything. It's not like we're just finding out, like, after the game, like, um, all right, breaking news, uh, Pierre Melhoibia, he actually t bought three blades onto the pitch today. <laughs> yeah, and he has yeah. stabbed five other players 
mm. you know, in, in the stomach and uh, it, he's, he's going to jail when it's not even remotely that it's just like, you know, <laughs> I guess a bit of gamesmanship and, you know, other teams have done it for ages. Like Chelsea, you've done it for years. Like, mm. um, but it's almost like, I feel like Spurs, there is still that sense of us, like, you know, not being allowed to quite sit at the big table with the, uh, mm. with the other, with the other adults. And there's very much this thing of like, well, you know, they're happy for a few superpowers in the English game to be there. But as soon as then Spurs start doing something, it becomes very much like, no, 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 not you. No, no, you get back down. We can't have another team that is doing that and maybe getting an edge. Oh, totally. It's um, so wrapped up in that. The idea that, you know, Spurs, if you think stereotypically, the idea is like weak underbelly. Um, if you start being physical with them, they'll wilt. They can play nice football, but apart from that, there's sort of no guile or resilience there. And so then if we start showing that, that makes uh, an example of something that doesn't fit in with that very clean stereotype and people don't like it when that happens. Um, and so we end up in this situation where it's like dirty that they're, they're going beyond that. You know, some teams just like to have a bit of fun and what they're doing, it's wrong. It's wrong. They're sinning against nature. And it's like, well, no, what we've just done is, which is the process that started during the Pochettino years is where we overstep the mark in terms of, uh, our like gamesmanship. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, Battle of the Bridge is the main example, but we haven't, we hadn't quite figured out the, what can we do that is just before the line, um, that is going to give us an edge and not cost us anything. And that's sort of where with Conte, we've seemingly sort of found it, um, which is great because, and what what's so frustrating, I think for, um, other teams or other teams fans is that that's it's it's in the area of not being able to be punished because it's like oh well, they did this thing but oh, it's like you know, it's it's wrong but you're like well they didn't break any rules of the game mm. oh yeah definitely yeah. And, and like you know it goes to i think it plays into that idea like you know you always spoke about like Kalini and Bonucci, masters of the dark arts oh wow yeah. how powerful wow wonderful just all the little things that they would do um, and if we go back to last season where we played Chelsea and then there was, um, Thiago Silva went down with, um, from like Kane's uh, massive, huge shove. And then, mm. you know, people see that and that because it's Chelsea, because it's like Thiago Silva, it's like, oh, what experience he's got to just yeah. do that. What absolutely wonder. It's like, no, <laughs> this is, mm. like, we can't, like, it's, it's not. And it's just. These things get blown up so much. Like I would have been frustrated if say we're playing Arsenal, I guess the end of the game and like Smith Road starts doing keepy uppies. <laughs> I will get frustrated, of course. But at the end of the day, when you put it in the whole context of everything, um, it's like, you know, a club like Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea weren't even into this, but we brought them into this just because we hate them so much. Mm. But it's like Chelsea run by a billionaire oligarch who's just horrendous, like, you know, sports washing, all this sort of stuff. And it's like, again, we still don't, I don't think push those issues enough as big discussion points. We prefer to go, oh, Richarlison just juggling it. Oh, that's horrendous. That's like, that's so bad for the game. It's so bad for the game. It's like, what's that? Oh, Newcastle have, uh, oh, the Saudis have done something else, have they? Oh, 
well, let, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. But then it's like, mm. oh, but you can't muck around on the field. And it's like, yeah. it just feels so warped to me that we have that disparity. Um, mm. And I think that's where like Spurs, you know, we do get targeted in that sense. We do that stuff and, you know, we're not supposed to be be involved in like any of that gamesmanship. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to put my um, tinfoil hat on for a minute. Um, so just bear with while I speak about this. But Mark Fisher, who is a um, cultural theorist, who unfortunately passed away, I think in 2012, um, has this great book called Capitalism Is There No Alternative? And as part of that, he talks about the idea that people perceive that there being no alternative because every alternative is worse. Um, and as part of that kind of uh, theory that he develops is the idea that within the structure of, of selling products, you know, it, it's sort of the exam. A good example is uh, keep cups, where it's like there are huge uh, corporations that uh, have no regard for the environmental impact or the personal impact that they have on the people that they don't pay properly and on the working conditions, on the huge amount of emissions that they release. But it's now on the individual to purchase a reusable coffee cup, which is going to save the planet. And it's like, well. If everyone in the world buys a reusable coffee cup, we're still going to have the same issue. Like there's not going to be a change and you need to reuse that coffee cup this many times before it actually becomes sustainable. Mm. Um, it's the exact same thing where it's like, we want to be complaining about these sort of like micro moments within games that like seemingly disrupt the very spirited culture of what football is. But at the same time we have these, uh, conglomerates or <laughs> state groups buying teams to sports wash. <laughs> uh, and yet that's not brought up uh, in terms of the discussion. Like it's, it's exactly like, you know, whatever we could do against Chelsea, especially during the, you know, when Abramovich owned them, it's like your owner <laughs> gives money to Vladimir Putin. There's, there's, no, there's nothing like, there's no point in having any discussion. Like, I'm not going to bother because the ultimate evil is, is <laughs> like the, the, in terms of, uh, like badness, you're hitting like a hundred on the scale and Dembele stepping on someone's hand in the battle of the bridges, 20, like there's no, there's no comparison <laughs> there. So yeah. Anyway, end of rant, uh, hat is off. No, no, please. Hat always on. <laughs> this is, yeah. Um, I feel like if, if people analyze most of our theories here, there'd be a lot, which would fall into that sort of category, but, um, no, you're right. It's like, it's, it's easy to get just so caught up on these sort of small things. It reminds me like a similar thing, not quite the same, but there was like a few weeks ago, there was that big storm about, um, it was like, uh, Kylie Jenner and like Travis Scott and stuff. And it was like, oh, they, they're taking private jet flights for seven minutes for like 15 minutes and it's like the amount of like carbon emissions and stuff that happens from a private jet flying for like 10 minutes just because they want to avoid like an hour of traffic <laughs> and then mm. everyone else on the rest of the planet is like no but you've got to use reusable knives you've got to buy them yeah. and do that <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's a similar thing in the sense that you've got these sort of big powerful you know corporations people owners all that sort of stuff um but then it's just on, oh, it's just on, it's just on us common folk to do, to do it all. So I feel like what I've realized that we're doing is now we're kind of just painting Richarlison like Steve Cooper painted his team, 
of just like, Rishalston, he's just an honest, hardworking guy. Yeah. <laughs> We've come full circle now. <laughs> he's just a guy that loves to fly kites with Emerson after training. Yeah, yeah. What? He's just trying to play the game how he sees it. Is that a problem? Um, I mean, it, it sort of all, I guess, uh, accumulates in this sort of idea of uh, like uh, captivity within what the system is um, and that the system d- controls the rules. Mm-hmm. And although the system, while controlling the rules, also uh, because it's so like effervescent as a concept is then also creating the rebellion against those rules and then selling products to the rebellion of those rules. And it's like, once you're in that, like how are you supposed to make an active choice or difference when, you know, in football, say Sky Sports or, um, uh, I don't know, other punters where it's like they are just, uh, perpetuating the, the the culture while appearing to be opposing it when it's like well, it's, that's it's like I mean the the best example is when Sky Sports did a twelve minute breakdown on um, uh, naughty Lukaku and eleven minutes was various punters slamming him and then one of them obviously the producer was like you give the counter argument for one <laughs> minute was like, well, maybe it's not actually that bad and blah, blah, blah. And he's a human being and blah, blah. And it's like, yep, okay, well, maybe. Anyway, end of segment. It's like, what? <laughs> you're, if you're controlling both sides, then you can't lose. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, 100%. Mm. And it's like, um, it, it's just like, every, it's 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 just so frustrating. It's so frustrating uh, uh, to go through all these things. Because um, something that I looked up earlier was like, um, Nottingham Forest's owner. Um, we've got his name, Evangelos Marinakis. And he's a Greek uh, media mogul, ship owner, lyricist as well, <laughs> apparently. Fantastic. Um, so he's got a, I, I don't know what, does he have a mixtape out? <laughs> what's, yeah. what's going there? But like, you look at him as well. And on his uh, his list, he does have a controversy, uh, so controversy section, including sports and including alleged drug trafficking. <laughs> fantastic so you bring it back and it's like yeah great like the media could spin this thing they could spin this way they could spin that you know forest is a small club just making it back into the the league how poor of them but then when you go through this and you have paragraphs and paragraphs of like (laughs) sports controversy alleged drug trafficking like this guy's done something (laughs) like Mm. something has happened there um but yeah yeah it's just all how it's spun really yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all how it's spun, um, which is why media literacy is one of the key skills uh, <laughs> that one should develop. I, I, anyway. I was just going to um, say, I assume that there's probably, there has to be some agreement from like sports broadcasters of like that you just can't talk about clubs owners at all mm, um, mm. because, or like there's got to be something there because I wonder like if you actually got some of the commentators and go, what do you really think about what happened with uh, Russia, Ukraine and Abramovich and all that? Like mm. they'd have thoughts on it, definitely. Mm. Mm. Um, but when it comes to like broadcasting games, it's like, cause they have to be non-biased and all that. And it's like, you just can't mention anything. Um, and so like when we watch this game, we cut to the forest owner. It's just like, well, there's, uh, there's Mr. Maranakis sitting there enjoying the game, having a coffee. Mm. All right. Back to the corner. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Which is why, I mean, it's sort of the the very medium that we're talking on right now, which is why those kind of more, you know, independent because they're just a couple of people chatting about the game have become so popular is because you would assume that broadcasters have, you know, a lot of rules around bringing the game into disrepute or the Premier League as a brand into disrepute. Like if if, if they were allowed to just be like, well, he's uh, he's actually got a pretty chicken history and it's unclear whether blah, blah, blah. Like then that then, you know, breaks the shiny uh, product of the Premier League if you start sort of speaking about what's underpinning that shiny product. Um, yeah. Well, maybe, Barney, we need to start just like sort of, I was going to say an underground network. It's not really underground, but like a mm. kind of bootleg commentary for all these games where you just have people just... Still people who are actually commentators, but maybe they're old, they're disgruntled, they don't work for Sky or anything anymore. And we can just have honest discussions like whilst mm. the games um, are going on. And that would mm. be a lot more entertaining to listen to um, than just hearing sort of very, very vanilla commentary or an ex-players being like, oh, you could, could have kicked it in him then. And you're just like, <laughs> what? Just because you played for like 10 years, you're offering no insight whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, the issue is that if that was to occur and then there was some kind of uh, formation of this uh, alternate or undergrad commentary <laughs> where you had experts without any kind of uh, legal arrangements be able to speak freely about owners and blah, 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 what would happen is if it got popular enough, the Premier League would then adopt it uh, in a way that they could then control and you could have like an alternative commentary thing, but they also abide by all the rules that the Premier League tells them to do, but appear to to be uh, this like cool alternate, uh, really um, subversive medium. I mean, it's like Marvel, Marvel movies just are American propaganda. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get actually no. I'm not going to get started on them. Don't worry about it. Let's move. No, on. no, no. This, this all makes sense. No, but you're right. Like if if this starts, if we start up this thing, and then it just gets it gets big, popular, and everything, and then it's like, oh, Barney, we've had a billion dollar offer from the Saudi foreign investment fund. <laughs> yeah. um, we've got shareholders now, so we actually can't even vote no on this. <laughs> like we. Yeah. <laughs> actually, why I don't know why this underground company has shareholders. Like, anyway, but we've <laughs> we've, we've gone to that level already. Um, it's like, you know, the company would be voted to get sold to like, to make money for the shareholders, like in that sense. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, all right, you're not allowed to say anything about Newcastle. Mm. Um, so this is why we need Razor and the Flange, right? Because if we have them and then the Saudi investment fund says, we'll pay you $1 billion to um, start uh, being very pro Newcastle on the podcast, then we can take the billion dollars but then we can also put in coded messages to listen to a different podcast where we then <laughs> uh, resist the controls of um, our captors. I, w I would like that. They like with all their resources, they'd be like, guys, we've, we've done voice. We've got voice recognition technology here. Like <laughs> you're the same guys. Like why is a, why is a nostalgic NSL 1990s podcast <laughs> talking about <laughs> all the, cr the crimes of Saudi Arabia now? <laughs> we've, mm -hmm. You're done. You're done. And then it all comes crashing down. So I guess on further thought, let's uh, let's pass on starting that network for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's pass, let's pass. Um, the other question that we had 
um, from Discord from uh, THFC underscore Tex, another person with a nickname, um, would Romero <laughs> have cleaned out uh, Richie Richarlison himself for juggling if he played today? And my answer to that is absolutely not. That was pure. I can imagine Romero juggling. Yeah, Romero loves, I think Romero loves shithousery when it's for us. Um, mm. Definitely. He, he grabs he grabs someone's hair and threw them to the ground. <laughs> yeah. He's not just going to be like, Oi, Rishal said, come on. Mm, that's no, too that's far. too far. Um, mm. I also like you pointed out like THFC mm. text as a nickname. So I feel like just constantly now until you get the nickname that you really want, every time a nickname comes up, you're just going to be like, Dan, uh, another person who has a nickname. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind cool of like nickname. hinting. It's kind of like, hint, it's like we're a married couple and you're like hinting for like what you want for like Christmas or your birthday <laughs> or something. And it's just, you're just dropping clues everywhere that you really, really want a nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that's happened, I guess, in the last couple of days is the amount of loans that we're doing. Oh, um, we love a loan. <laughs> we love a loan at the moment. We love a loan. They're very... Um... I'm pretty sure none of them have options to buy. No, they're very old school loans here. Like mm. it feels like someone sort of come in and they're like, well, back in my day, loans were just straightforward. You just <laughs> go off no obligations and no stupid options or anything like that. Just very straightforward. Whereas I look at this and I go, what are the point of all these loans? Yeah. Apart from like, well, one, you go, okay, you're raised, you might raise the value of a player who's not playing and like, you know, be able to sell them for more. But then by the same token, their contract is going to be a year down the track. So then mm -hmm. they're going to be worth less because their contract's closer to expiring. Mm. And they're not just going to keep re-signing contracts. <laughs> like, mm. so I'm just like, I'm, I'm just a bit perplexed as to why, why there's no even options to buy in this. And it's like, is that because like, surely we would include an option to buy, but then maybe the, the, the clubs who are getting the players don't want to go to, they don't want to commit to that amount because maybe they think that they can negotiate better if the loan actually works out well down the track. Um, mm. Like for example, if, if Sampdoria, if we had like option to buy Winks for 20 mil and they're like, okay, cool. So then if they want to buy him, they've already agreed to that 20 mil. Whereas mm. maybe they think that even if he does well, like he could do well enough for them to want to buy him, but not well enough to be a superstar for them. And then they might be able to, well, we can go in and try and get him for like 10 mil. That's mm. the only reason I can possibly think as to why we're just doing these old fashioned <laughs> granddad loans. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, there is such a high level of inherent risk in them with, like you said, if they go on loan, they don't play or they play and they're not performing to the club standard. They come back, they're a year down the line and then it's harder to get a price for them that we want. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the only, you know, like you said, the advantage is if they go to on loan and crush, then we can say, okay, you can have them, but it's actually going to be for this much now, um, because of how much they added to your team and you can either not sign them, uh, or you can, you know, we'll let you have them for this price, which is a discount on what we would usually offer. But yeah, it's, it is bizarre. So Winks going to Sampadora makes me want to watch. I just want to see him play in Italy because it's long been sort of like spoken about that he would be good in Serie A. 
and I would like to see how that works out for, I hope it does. Um, oh yeah, it, it could like, I don't know how Sam Dorian play, um, mm. but I like the move for him. I think it's, mm. I think it's good. And I think it would be, if you're Winks, like that would be a fun move in a way. Like if I was a, a professional player, I would want to go and play in different countries, play in different leagues and sort of experience that throughout my career. Um, mm. and yeah, it's like, I, I'm pretty sure the only, like, cause Ndombele obviously went out to, to Napoli and I think he's the only one who's had got a, an option to buy for 25 million euros. Um, mm. so Sam, sorry, Napoli must be going like, we think there's a player worth more than 25 million in there. Yeah. Whereas all these other players are like, we'll take winks, but mm, uh, well, we mm. don't know who knows yeah. what will happen with him. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're probably paying reg like for Region and winks, we would be definitely con compu yeah, contributing to their wages. And we might've been paying like the majority of their wages. I don't really know, but that wouldn't surprise me either. Mm. Yeah. I, th there must be some advantage for us in terms of wage to just try and get some of the expense off our books. Uh, Hill to Valencia, like is just, obviously he doesn't want to play at Tottenham. <laughs> he can't want to. He came. Why? I don't know, because he seemingly just wants to play in Spain. It's, it's so confusing. Like maybe Conte has been like, no, no, nah, you're not, you're not uh, going to be playing in my team, but it just feels like that he's never really had the chance to settle. Maybe, maybe everyone hates him. Maybe everyone in the squad absolutely hates him. Maybe he's a really weird dude. He looks he, like I, just based on face value, I can imagine him being just the strangest person. Like, yeah, he could, like, maybe just rock up to training and he's just like, I've got a little jar. And like, oh, hell, come <laughs> on, Brian, we don't want to know what's in it. It's like, yeah, no. oh, I found it. I found some poo and put it in there. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy's just an absolute freak. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? And then on the way, because I walked in, you live 30 kilometres away. I know. <laughs> and so what I did was... I I got some poo and then I found some different poo. It smelled different, <laughs> different consistency. Did you touch it? Yes. And so I put that in the jar too. Do you want to have a smell? Like, I, no. I call it a little poo shake. <laughs> and it's like, all right, we have to get this guy out of the club. Yeah, like, we need to get this guy out of the club. He keeps leaving these jars in Cote's office. <laughs> yeah. He leaves them in Paratici's car. He's like, yeah. it's getting really weird. We found some like wiped on the walls of the sauna. Um, it's also just very much a good to be like, Brian Hill, a guy who seems very quite lovely. We've now painted him as his poo fetish. I mean, I mean, the, the, the realistic, um, <laughs> assumption is probably as has been reported is that he's very homesick and wants to return to Spain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't have as much legs in the uh, story. No, nah, no, 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 no. I feel it's like we're sitting, it's like we're newspaper executives and we're being presented a story, which is like, oh, here's a story. Of, he's homesick. He wants to go back home and just be close to his family. And we're like, mm, nah, that's not going to sell any papers, is it? Yeah. I just watched uh, Silence of the Lambs on the weekend <laughs> and that character, that Hopkins, he's a freak. Let's uh, let's really uh, try and turn this up a notch. Yeah. Can we uh, can we get some of that in there? It's like, well, okay, <laughs> I, I guess. And then it's like 12 drafts later, the reporter <laughs> yeah. has quit. 
and we've just put out the story that we want. So, like, we should get a job yeah. at News of the World, basically, on, like, this. <laughs> um, on this link. But, it, you know, that's the insight. That's the in-the-know knowledge on, mm-hmm, on Brian mm-hmm. Hill. It's, like, it's it's bizarre. It is weird. Um, it's There's got to be some explanation for... <laughs> apart from, like, oh, Conte doesn't like him and he's homesick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's homesick. And then also, I mean, a big part of it, I wonder what his um, English is like. And whether he wanted to learn English when he moved, um, because obviously communication is like one of the most important things that we do. Um, If he struggled to learn, maybe that would make things very hard and he wants to return back to a place where he can speak fluently. Yeah, it could be something too. Like, and I guess we've Mm. got, we've got quite a few Portuguese speakers in the squad. We've also got some Spanish speakers as well, including Eric. Um, mm. but I mean, I guess it is like for, for a young person, it is a big move to move to a different country where you might not speak the oh, language. Cute. Um, and yeah, moving away from home and a very, very different scenario to what you're used to. So it could just be a very, just, you know, <laughs> honest thing like, like that. <laughs> and we've made him into this full blown psychopath. Um, I mean, it could be that, or it could be our option. It could be our you option. Know, you decide. Yeah. You, we're you not decide. telling you what to think. Uh, to anyone listening to this, we're not telling you what to think. We're just presenting Mm. two very viable options and it's up to you to make the call on what that could be. (laughs) Um, the other one is, uh, Region who, oh, sorry, Mm. actually with Brian Hill, the interesting thing is Gattuso was quoted as saying, we're waiting for Tottenham to find a replacement, Mm. which, uh, and, and, and they have told us it is 99% done. So that makes me think that unless Gattuso is just making that up. Yep. Um, we obviously must have a player incoming, um, mm. who, and it, they have told us it is 99% done. Um, someone who's a bit of a surprise cause we haven't been really strongly linked with anyone apart from people just going like, Oh, maybe Zaha, maybe Adama, mm. maybe whoever. Mm. Um, so interesting there. So we should Mbappe. say. <laughs> Mbappe. It's Mbappe. Just sign Mbappe. Announce Mbappe already. <laughs> yeah. Tin pot club. Um, but the last one we have is Region. Um, yeah. Off to Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah. I don't know. It could be a similar scenario to, to Hill, but I also feel like Region probably really wants to stay. Um, yeah. Also, he's got great uh, English and seemed to settle in really well. Um, I, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're being told by Conte, you're not part of the plans. Which, again, I still, of all the players that Conte has been like, no, this is the one where I'm like, really? Like, you you could get something out of him. And if he's so ill-suited to playing as a wing-back, um, that really surprises me because he's quite an attacking full-back. I don't, yeah. I, I honestly think with Reguilón, it's like he's definitely got the athleticism to play the role. But mm. I wonder if it's like he would be suited at more to say one of these... Mid-level Premier League, high-pressing sort of teams mm. in that sense, and you just have to think that he he probably doesn't quite have the technical nous to play Conte's mm. game, and like you know, yeah. his crossing's not horrible, but it's not incredible. Um, he also gets a little bit of a rush of blood to the head when he gets in the box, and um, he's not sort of so composed in that sense, and it, it probably just got to a stage where like you know, 
Conte goes, I want Perisic in, um, who is just captain composure. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I just feel it's like Reguilon, it's just not a great fit there. But, yeah, he should be signing mm. soon for, for Atletico. And then, uh, yeah, it sounds like we're going to do at least one more transfer coming in. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mbappe. Mbappe. <laughs> Mbappe. I love that there'll be people out there and they'd just be like, Mbappe, 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 Mbappe. Spurs yeah. have signed Adama Traore. Oh, bloody <laughs> hell. Thought it was oh, Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, people are just like probably think like, the you know, it's all the teenagers who are on Twitter doing all that sort of stuff. And they're just thinking like, who's quick and going to be good in my FIFA team for Spurs? <laughs> yeah. That's all I want them to sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, confirmed on a bit Spursy, we are signing Mbappe. So um, everyone just, that's breaking news. Heard it here first. Um, here we go. Here we go. We are signing Mbappe. Uh, it might look like he's playing for PSG this season. Um, mm. Might be, a, a you know, 50 little micro loans back to France. Um, but mm. we are officially signing Mbappe. He'll be yeah. On, yeah. Like you said, micro loans back to France. So um, confirmed, confirmed. Should we do the, uh, the medal votes? It's the Abit Spurs medal man. Who will get votes for playing well? Who will get votes for playing pretty poorly? The most romantic medal in sports. Oh, yes. Put on your socks. Get a blanket. I don't know why they are romantic things in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Get your uh, reusable bags from Woolies. Yeah. It's the Pittsburgh medal, the most romantic medal in sports. <laughs> yes, we are back. The most romantic medal in sports for another week. Um, Barney, would you like to kick things off this time? Sure thing. Yep. Um, so uh, I'm going to continue um, on my – and just hope that your votes – Sort of course correct mine. Uh, I'm going to give Richarlison ten. Um, <laughs> so, am I supposed to course correct him and give him like a three? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I just mean sort of over the season there is a return to the mean somehow. Yeah, but yeah, ten. Yeah, uh, perfect performance. I, you can't, you know, Dan, you can't possibly say that it wasn't perfect. It was. No, no, it was great. You'll soon yep. see what yep. if he features in my votes or not. Mm-hmm. Um, um, great. I'm going to give Perisic an 8.5. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, uh, my my last one is uh, Kulisevsky with 8. Okay. Great. Oh, eight, oh sorry, 8.3. 8. <laughs> mm. Just nudge him up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because Kane's 8.2, so I just need to make that. Yeah, okay, fair, yeah, fair, clear. fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. Well, very to the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Producer, tell us to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Wrap it up. We've already got complaints from so many different places. <laughs> just do the vote to get off air. Um, okay, so my votes. I gave Richardson a 9.2. So right. there'll be not much course correcting for me today <laughs> uh, when it comes to him. But yeah, like... He didn't play for a huge amount of time, but massive impact. Um, huge. And like, I don't know how much of that vote is for the shithousery and how much is for the assist and just what he sort of mm. brought in, but um, 
so so good. I love him. I love him. Um, Kane, I gave eight point four. Nice. So like, even though he missed a penalty, and throughout the rest of the game, we you know didn't do like a massive amount. He still scored two goals, and we're getting like yeah, we're getting like November Kane early, mm. um, which is just beautiful to see. Um, mm. And I think at the start of the season we we're talking, and you know I, I did have this feeling of like Kane could have a monster year, like go through this into the World Cup, into that, and it's like he's on track in terms of goals, like he's it's. It's great. He's scoring, putting them away. So, you know, 8.4 for Kane. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I gave Sanchez an 8.1. Nice. Um, Davison Sanchez, the laundromat, the cleanest sheets in the business. Mm. He's, mm. Um, I love this stat that keeps going that um, it's he's had nine hours, over nine hours, um, without conceding a goal when we've had Davison on. <laughs> it's going to change soon. Like, we're going to have to concede oh, yeah. when he's there, but... I also just love how that stat, it's like, it's very much a team stat that just applies to just talk him up <laughs> now. It's very weird. I, I feel like it's going to break in a way that, like, it'll be like nine and a half hours without a, without uh, a goal conceded and Davidson Sanchez uh, thunders it into his own net. Yeah. Like, that'll be the... He scores three own goals in 20 minutes and gets four red cards somehow. yeah. yeah. <laughs> And gets, I don't know, ejected from the country for like <laughs> such a horrendous tackle. Um, something could happen, but I think, yeah, I think he's doing pretty well defensively. Um, I found it interesting the people were talking about this game and going after Hoybier again. Oh my God. And it's like Hoybier had a really lovely turn early on in the game, lovely through ball, uh, which wasn't converted, but like, again, just please, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. I was trying to watch the game in the mindset of someone that uh, hates him, and I can see what, or I hope I can maybe see what is being pulled where he does really good things. He does things that are not particularly spectacular, but solid. And then he also does, like he does a bad pass or he, you know, in this moment, it looks like he could have maybe blocked or cut out a pass or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that watching him, you just want someone that is brilliant the entire time and there are some dips, but like, it's just, I'm not trying to say that it's justified. It's insane. Oh. Um, Mass massively. But, yeah. And, and it's like, the thing that this gets, gets me a little bit is, um, you know, the Premier League is a tough league and the stuff like, and as fans, we want that challenge of the league like that's what makes it interesting and that's what makes it enjoyable and we want teams to try and work out how to stop us and us to then overcome them and i really honestly think that like it's enjoyable watching games and going oh this team is shutting us down in this way how do we overcome that challenge that's much more interesting than if you're a man city and just walking teams every single week without anything mm. So I think that Pierre just gets a lot of flack in that sense. And even in this game, it's like, oh, well, Davidson was rubbish because he can't pass out the back as well as Romero can and this, that, and everything else. And it's like, we've got to give Forrest some credit for how they set up um, because they did set up pretty well against us. But then it just showed that, like, defensively, they're just, you know, rubbish and we, we should have mm. scored a few more there. But, like, we need to give some credit to these teams and how they play. And that is going to stop us playing in a certain way. And it's like, a lot of that means that if they're like loading up midfield, if they're pressing a lot, it's going to be really hard for a central midfielder to then suddenly just be 
you know, this is a darn level player. <laughs> like <laughs> whenever he gets the ball. And I, I just think it's just so funny that it's like some people just look for like when we, they never, ever give another team any credit. It's always just going like, well, it was because Davison can't pass it. Hoy Bear's rubbish. We would have won 28 nil if they weren't playing. And it's like, maybe the reason that they didn't look as good as you think was just because Forrest closed them down really well and forced mm. them to play certain balls. And that's okay. Like that's allowed to happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. There is a complete lack of uh, uh, perception of what the other team's doing. It's just about our players. <laughs> and um, yeah, I thought, I mean, I think you're totally uh, right to give Sanchez a good rating here. I thought he was pretty good. Um, I think that, We've got West Ham next, the most annoying game uh, in the calendar. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, I, I think that oh, oh, that's it. Are we done? Um, yeah. <clears throat> we've got quite a lot. Um, like you said, we've got West Ham and then is it United? No, it's Fulham next weekend. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Marseille midweek, following week. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Man City. So there's some pretty big games like Fulham. They've got a bit about them. Um, and also yeah. just a derby. So we've got two derbies, Champions League and then City, which City mm. and us, it's become a bit of a grudge match because we're their bogey team. And I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but what I mean here is like in the next few weeks, we do have a pretty challenging spell, um, mm. including like, and then it's more Champions League after that. And then, you know, Leicester, and then there's more Champions League, then there's this and there's that. And it just really starts adding up. So I think we've got a pretty tough run coming up and, mm. but I feel like we're, we're playing better. We're getting in a better position and I'm starting to look forward to this. Like it's, I think you want to, you want, like I said, you want to have these tough games where it's like, I'm really up for like, you know, seeing what we can do against West Ham, seeing what we can do against City when we play them, Marseille, all this. And yeah, I think it's just, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. It's going to be. Um, an interesting period. I can't wait. Hopefully in the same period, Arsenal plays uh, a single team that is not predicted to be relegated. Um. <laughs> well, I think it's it's not until us that they play a decent like team. Well, I mean, all, wow. all teams in league, obviously, like we've just spoken about, have yeah. their strengths in that. But until they have like a top eight team or something, we're the first mm. one. Um, and that's still a little while off. So Arsenal are going to look pretty good until they play us. Mm. So well, that's fine. We'll bring them back down to earth. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, well, thank you very much for listening. Um, uh, I've been Razor. Um, I've been, what am I, am I DT Filter? Or what's my... Or you can be whatever you want. DT Filter, The Flans, Dan. Far out. I think I'm going <laughs> to... I'll take The Flange, I guess. <laughs> oh, great, great, good, great, great. Good choice. Um Thanks for listening and uh, come on you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.